Well, hello and welcome to Binge Watch, the podcast where we take a look at the hottest new TV and film releases on streaming television platforms. I'm Hannah Fernando, the group editor of Woman and Woman in Home magazine. And I'm Ian McEwen, writer on TV Times, TV and Satellite Week and What's on TV magazines. And today we're looking at the new releases for the week starting Friday the 10th of November 2023, including Brian Cox's James Bond-themed challenge show 007 Road to a Million on Prime Video and a new Robbie Williams documentary series on Netflix. And we'll also be checking out the new Disney Plus action thriller Culprits, starring Gemma Arterton and Nathan Stewart Jarrett, and Apple TV Plus's period drama The Buccaneers. But first, in what is in the news? Prime Video's three-part documentary, John Lennon, Murder Without a Trial, narrated by Kiefer Sutherland, will hear from John Lennon's friends as well as lawyers, detectives and eyewitnesses as it takes a fresh look at the Beatles' shocking murder in 1980. What else is in the news, Hannah? Well, in Netflix's six-part biopic, Senna, about Brazilian F1 star Ayrton Senna, of course, no less, Stephen McIntosh will play Frank Williams, who founded the Williams Motor Racing Team. Another good week. I, I know I say it every week, but it's actually true. We're going to start on Prime Video with a new reality series which arrives on Friday the 10th of November. It's called 007 Road to a Million. And here's a clip. I put real people into a James Bond adventure and placed ten questions around the world. If they find them, answer them, they win a million pounds. The only thing standing in their way is me. Bit of a weird one, this. It's hosted by the brilliant Brian Cox, who, of course, was the star of Succession and many other things. And he's great, actually. He brings a real kind of Bond villain vibe to proceedings. So it's a little bit like Race Across the World, that reality show where people team up and, and well, travel across the world. It's Bond-themed, and it does have some exotic locations, but certainly in episode one, I wouldn't say the challenges that these people have to undertake are that James Bond-ish. So, yes, you've got groups, teams of two, basically. So some of them are related to each other. Some of them are friends. I think there's a married couple. And we start, I think we start in the Hebrides. Beautiful backdrop. What they need to do is they need to locate, well, it's a suitcase, really, which is buried in a lock. And they drag it out, open the suitcase, and it's got a computer inside it, which which displays a question. If they get the answer right, they bank a certain amount of money. And if they get it wrong, they're out of the game. And there's a million pounds up for grabs for each of the teams okay i enjoyed it you obviously get the backstory of the contestants so we start off as a couple of cheeky chappies there's two brothers from croydon and then there are uh, two sisters who are taking part i mean i didn't think episode one was very it didn't really have anything to do with james bond i would have to say but i did enjoy it as a challenge show i think judging from the kind of teaser clip you get at the beginning of episode one i think the stunts are going to get a bit more a bit more daring a bit more out there so yeah i i thought it was um pretty enjoyable and brian cox 
definitely ups the ante because he's such a good he's sitting there with all these screens uh, supposedly watching what they're all doing and yeah he's great as a kind of bond type villain uh overseeing proceedings what did you think hannah it's not what I expected. I'm not going to lie. I, th- I thought it was it, thought it was a bit odd. But um, and I sort of know what you mean about the James. I feel like it's quite tenuous the link to Bond at times. Um, but um, I I like the idea of winning a million quid, and I like the idea that these um people are you know having to answer these ten questions, which are quite <laughs> tricky, really. Um, even if you are a major Bond fan, so um, yeah, it's. I get it. I think it will appeal to people. I just, I think, I think from my perspective, it just wasn't what I, it wasn't what I expected. I think Brian Cox is is the kind of the, the key formula for this if if it does work. Um, and James Bond fans will tune in. So yeah, thumbs up. Just not quite what I thought. Okay. Well, this next thing probably is pretty much what you expected. It's a four part <laughs> rockumentary series on Netflix, simply called. Robbie Williams. It arrived on Wednesday the 8th of November and here is a clip. It's astounding what's happened in my life. But the past has me in a headlock. Something has to give. You know, you're only supposed to do this at the pearly gates of St. Peter. Yes. So I was, and I think I've said this before, I've declared it, um, that I was a huge Take That fan um, back in the day. I don't think there was an inch of my wall that wasn't covered in images of them all. Robbie being my absolute favourite. And um, and funnily enough, he's the only one of the, uh, of the crew that I haven't met, which is probably a good thing, isn't it? Because you don't want to burst that bubble. Um, but I absolutely adored him. And I, I think probably I just love the fact that he was that bit different. And um, he just didn't he just didn't quite fit the remit in the end, did he? And there's always we see it time and again with these bands where somebody not necessarily goes off the rails but in most cases they do um and they step away from the band and you know the the samaritans have to set up a group for girls like me who just can't cope with them waltzing away into the sunset but they always come back and they nine times out of ten will become a solo artist which of course is what robbie williams did he really was a huge star he still is a huge star but what this does and i don't think it matters whether you are a Take That fan or a Robbie fan particularly because as we've said many times before any of these kind of documentaries are the music in itself kind of carries the whole thing but also you get to learn so much and I think this is of course it's edited it's highly edited of course it's edited the way that the person starring in it wants it to be yes I get all of that but it is really candid and it made me really sad because you know I, I it sort of starts at the very beginning um he's he narrates the the whole thing and sort of talks about um his days and take that and how he just felt that he was not selling himself out but there was there was no piece of them left for him it was sort of everybody he was giving and giving and giving and everyone was taking and taking and taking and i watched some of that footage of 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 the band on stage and, you know, I was probably one of those girls screaming in the crowds. And you imagine that that level of adoration um, would carry you. But but actually, it seemed to almost not bring him down, but he was a really unhappy soul. And 
every part of his life was scrutinized. Um, he didn't feel he could trust anyone. He was, you know, cameras were absolutely everywhere. I mean, that's being famous, isn't it, for a lot of people? And um, there's something like 30,000 hours of footage that existed that he'd never actually seen before. And he watches some of it and he's very tearful in places. And we've seen a lot of Robbie recently. Of course, he's made the headlines because of this. So he's doing lots of interviews. But he, he, you know, just his body image, which you very often associate with women, and it's just absolutely not limited to women. It's just not. Robbie fell into this battle with his body um, of, of weight gain, weight loss. And we see him now and he he's really slim now. And um, the stuff that he's sort of done throughout his life that's led him to where he is now. And of course, he's married. He's got children. He seems very happy. But those demons are always there, people say, haunting them. And I think it's it's very, very raw. It's very real. Um, you, you, I felt like I came away knowing a slightly different person and I felt really quite sad for him. I mean, of course, he's a mega celebrity with mega money and living his very best life. But as they always say, money doesn't buy happiness. And um, he, yeah, I think he comes over really well. But for me, seeing him as he started and seeing him now, is just so, so different. And I don't just mean about the journey he's been on um, with fame, but also how he looks. He just looks so different. He's sort of, he's become a man and he's kind of owning up and speaking honestly, which I think will help loads of other people. I really enjoyed it. What do you think, Ian? I very much enjoyed it. I mean, it could be called... Uh... Robbie Williams, my struggle, really, couldn't it? Because yeah. it, it is a massive struggle. So I was very interested. In, I've only watched episode one, but the fact that he was so much younger than the rest of Take That was significant. Mm. And and obviously he was thrown into this this publicity machine and and had this great pop stardom so young. And also the dynamic where the band it was very much Gary Barlow's band, wasn't it? Like mm. he was the songwriter. He was kind of like the leader and you see there's some tension there and it was just too it was too much too young classic example of that uh so there doesn't seem to be that much enjoyment going on it's all pretty grim and yeah he gets heavily into drink and drugs and i was interested to see him working with guy chambers mm. who he collaborated with and when they were in the studio doing his first album he was just drinking way too much you know well clearly quite challenging to work with but he's just he's just going off the rails wasn't he and it, it's interesting that that was nearly a flop that first album it, it didn't sell many copies initially but then it was angels was the song that really took off and and, and from then on he was like he was on his way but yeah it, it's sad because i think because of everything that happened to him, because he was too young and, you know, with that life, it's easy to get into drink and drugs, isn't it? You know, in excess and just behave like a complete idiot. And that, that I think, is obviously he's learned a lot from coming out the other side of that. But you kind of feel like he's quite a fragile character. He's obviously a lot wiser, whereas you had this really kind of cocky youngster, you know, taking on the world. So it's... It's also like be careful what you wish for because you see when Take That are on the road and they're doing all the interviews, being in a band and trying to make it, it's a it's a slog. You're touring around, you're doing show after show after show, you're being dragged from one interview to the next. It's not as glamorous 
as people think, you know, and there's no off switch. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he comes across very well, as you say. I mean, obviously, the footage of him when he was younger, he can be quite obnoxious. But, you know, he was a teen. He was a teenager with loads of money and, you know, access to whatever he wanted. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a slightly different music documentary in that he's really kind of bearing his soul and kind of looking back and, and just explaining, yeah, how it it yeah it was it was a rocky ride you know so yeah recommended over on disney plus arriving on wednesday the 8th of november we have a new drama series called culprits and here's a clip joe what are you not telling me long before we met i did bad things we're in danger kids i'm gonna fix this this is very very good i must say and it starts in dramatic fashion Uh, you see this middle-aged italian gentleman sort of running out of his gorgeous villa and he's in his his dressing gown someone's chasing him with a gun and he gets i mean this happens right at the beginning so it's not really a spoiler and he's gunned down next to his beautiful collection of sports cars and you think, oh, okay, intriguing start, slightly Godfather-esque. Then we cut to suburban America, and we've got this guy called Joe, played by Nathan Stewart Jarrett, who is terrific in this, and he's another person who got his big break in Misfits, which I'm always going on about. So he is living with his fiance Jules, played by Kevin Vidal. They have two kids, and they seem to be kind of living the uh living the suburban life so you think okay well what's what's the connection between that violent and dramatic opening scene and this apparently very humdrum existence well all will be revealed because we're going to flash back i don't really want to say too much i don't want it because there's lots of fantastic twists and turns in this it moves between london and america moves backwards and forwards in time Gemma Arterton plays a criminal mastermind called Diane Harewood. Yeah, I'm not going to say too much more about how it pans out, but what I will say is it's thrilling. It twists and turns. It's utterly convincing. It's got all the kind of elements of a great, almost like a gangster film or a heist movie. So many terrific elements thrown into the mix, and it's real white-knuckle, edge-of-the-seat stuff. Even in episode one, there's just loads going on. It's so exciting. Um, So I I was very pleasantly surprised by this. I thought it was terrific. Yeah, a bit of Reservoir Dogs thrown in as well, you could say, or or Baby Driver. So, yeah, loved it. Can't wait to see what happens. (laughs) What did you think, Hannah? Yes, I have a Reservoir Dogs vibe going on, isn't there? Um, I never am a fan of these ones that jump forwards and backwards but it works doesn't it absolutely works because um you kind of almost need it and it and you go from kind of quite thrilling moments to it's kind of we're sort of dodging around the storyline here i appreciate that but kind of you're you need it because they're so different the worlds um and and then how it all comes back together it's I think it's quite thrilling in places. I think it's really exciting and I think it's really different. And I think that's probably the thing that hit me the most was actually this felt like something really quite different that, that no one's done for a while um, and they've done it well. 
Well, we're going to finish over on Apple TV Plus, Hannah, with a new period drama series which arrived on Wednesday. It's called The Buccaneers. And here's a clip. Girls, here is marriages, men, party. Not particularly in that order. <laughs> oh! But darlings, we always converse. For certain girls of refinement, New York has become too limited. I quite agree. But he insists that I invite you and your daughters to London. London. He did the right thing giving me this one to review, Ian. You know me too well. Um, this is oh, absolutely spot on. Loved it. Um, it. If you're a Bridgerton lover, you'll absolutely love this too, I think. Um, exactly the same sort of premise. Um the debutante era, um, but it, but with a twist. Uh, I, I there's lots of things about Bridgerton and also the Buccaneers that are very very similar. So th obviously the timing, but also the modernity of the music. So you'll see um, tracks like Taylor Swift. It was slightly different in in Bridgerton because they sort of did it more as musical. This is actual proper kind of pop songs singing through this, which which makes it feel really lively um, and makes it feel really fun. And I think that's what I really loved about this. It's just not heavy going at a time when we could really do without heavy going. Um, again, th this is slightly different because this storyline is based on the Americans coming over to England in the 1870s. They're sent, the, the group of very wealthy American girls are sent by their mothers in the hope of securing aristocratic husbands. And um, it's based on an unfinished novel by the American author Edith Wharton. And it's, because obviously the Brits kind of bristling at the idea of these American girls, you know, coming over and how brash they'll be. Um, and they're not rewriting the rule book. They're not. It is what it is. You know, people are romancing each other and the wrong ones fall in with love with the wrong people and, and that makes it all the more interesting. But it's just that slightly different dynamic than your regular um, sort of historical drama, if you like. And that's fun-loving pop element, I think, really, really... I don't know, it just makes it exciting. You kind of want to sing along. It's upbeat, it's great. And there's lots of eye candy for everybody. Let me give you that little warning and that little tidbit too. So yeah, great big thumbs up from me. What are you thinking? I didn't want to like it, I must admit, because it, start, it starts with the wedding, doesn't it, of Conchita mm -hmm. and the groom hasn't shown up and then he does show up and he's not going to go through with it. But then he changes his mind and I'm like, oh. and then there's a very excitable group of bridesmaids <laughs> and there's a meet, there's a meet cute with a good looking guy who's come to the wedding. But I must admit it's pulled me in and I started really enjoying it. Um, it's just ir irresistible, really. It's got the wonderful Christina Hendricks of Mad Men fame. So she plays New York socialite, uh, Mrs. St. George. And yes, after the wedding, the girls and a couple of the adults are invited over to London and it's a bit like a sort of hen party on tour. You see them going along in their carriages and leaning out the window screaming. And yeah, it's a great, it's a, there's some great culture clash comedy because you've got these really snobby, uh, straight-laced English aristos 
looking down their noses at these this new money, you know, and these rather brash Americans. And um, yeah, I, 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 I very much enjoyed it. And yeah, as you say, we really are in Bridgerton country here, both with the kind of the dialogue, the style of it, the music. Um, but yeah, it's great stuff. I enjoyed it. Now we've got to that time, young Hannah, where you reveal what you've been binging on this week. Well, it has been rather rainy and grey. So on that basis, I have been watching A Place in the Sun because that makes me feel happy. Although the people do irritate me sometimes because they seem to want an awful lot for their money um, and they get quite crabby about people not refusing to drop their prices. Anyway, uh, I was dreaming of being in a warmer clime uh, last week. Uh, also, Strictly, of course, Strictly. Every week I'm going to say Strictly. How about you, Ian? I'm a bit addicted to the old true crime documentary series, as you know, and there's a very good one on Netflix called Till Murder Do Us Part, which is about this wealthy American couple who were murdered in their family home. And they had a daughter who'd been sent off to boarding school in England, who was a bit of a rebel and also speaks with a, quite a posh English accent. And at uni, she'd hooked up with this very nerdy German student called Jens. So it's looking at the trial. Uh, both of them are accused. And it's really well done because it kind of makes you, you, you lean one way and then the other in terms of, okay, who was really responsible? Who was there? Who actually committed the murders? Um, so yeah, if, if you like your true crime, check it out. We've just got time to look ahead to next week's offerings. So what are we going to be talking about, Hannah? Keanu Reeves and Jensen Button tell one of Formula One's most incredible stories in Braun, the impossible Formula One story, which will be on Disney+. And yes, you'll be getting this one, Hannah. Elizabeth Debicki <laughs> and Dominic West star in the heartbreaking final chapter of acclaimed royal drama The Crown on Netflix. It's here at last. So we look forward to those and much, <laughs> much more. But... In the meantime, keep watching.